Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. Well, good morning. I want to talk with you a little bit about leadership this morning. I don't know if you've noticed in the past uh, couple of years uh, when our life, our world, our lives were turned upside down, did you have a sense of wanting to have some leadership in your heart? You wanted to know where things were going? You might have been a little disappointed by the outcomes that were around you? When things are troubling, we look to our leadership to say, where do we go? And it's no different for people in Peter's day. Asia Minor, Peter was writing to these churches there, and he called them foreigners living in that area. And then he went on to talk about the disruption, the suffering that they were experiencing because of, well, just the way, the fact that they were Christians who were being persecuted in their context. And so they were looking to leadership or looking for leadership. And so we've gone through four chapters where Peter has been speaking to that group of people collectively. He's talking to all of them about who they are and who they are in Christ and how that makes a difference when they're facing difficult times. And in chapter 5 that we're going to be looking at, it starts off with these words. And now a word to you, elders. Let me just uh, give you a little context for our world and then we'll move into the passage. Christian Missionary Alliance, as a denomination, have elders. And in our uh, local church constitution, it talks about the fact that our elders are the highest governing authority within the congregation. Now, how do they become elders? Well, they become elders because some members of the board, some members from the congregation join together, they pray, and they select elders who are then put into the place of leading the church. They're not representing the church. Different churches have different polities or different ways of governance. And in the case of the Alliance and Crosspoint, the elders are put into place to lead. That means they're expected to have a good relationship with the Lord, to be praying, to be seeking him, to know what's happening in the congregation with the intention of leading the congregation uh, into the ministry that God has called them. If you come out of a Baptist tradition, uh, their elders are selected to represent the congregation. It's a little bit different. It's just a different interpretation of scripture. Brenda and I have worked in a number of Baptist churches, and I have to say that I've really appreciated the spirituality and that form of governance. I've seen it work very effectively. You see, the form of governance is not the issue. The Bible gives direction, and there are scripture verses that support a variety of different forms. Even within the context of the Catholic community, where you have a pope and bishops and pastors and so on. In that order, there is some biblical support for that. But for us, at Crosspoint, the elders are elected to lead. 
congregation at the congregational meeting makes a decision of who those elders will be when they're elected. Now, for the elders that are present here, that are part of Cross Point leadership, I'm not going to be poking at you specifically this morning. These words are for the elders, but I want to say that when it comes to leadership, <clears throat> anyone who wants to grow in their leadership and so on, these words are also for you. It's for you as parents because you lead kids. I can remember when I was a teenager, <clears throat> uh, probably about 18 years old, I'd grown up in the uh, Plymouth Brethren Gospel Assembly, and in that context, there was an expectation that once you were baptized, you would enter into the leadership of the church. In other words, you would come and you would join the membership and that you were expected to speak into that context. I have to tell you, I was a somewhat insecure young man. I was insecure because I was always second-guessing what I was saying. I was always wondering how other people were thinking about me. Brenda would say today that I don't really care what other people think. That's not true. However, there I have done some things that would sort of imply that I don't really care. But I can remember as an 18-year-old, this was back in the day when uh, dress clothes, nice dress shirt, a tie, a jacket were the norm for a church. And so I had dressed in the norm, and I went to church, and after church, I was leaving, I was going to head off to something, and one of the moms she came running up and she stopped me. And she says, Jim, I want to just thank you for the way that you have influenced my 14-year-old son. We could never get him to dress up. But just you consistently preparing yourself for Sunday morning has influenced him to the place where he is now asked for dress clothes and he's dressing up. I walked away from that and I go... I can be a leader. John Maxwell puts it this way. Leadership is influence. It's simple as that. And so this is for all of us. And it doesn't matter, young people, how old you are. If there's someone younger than you watching you, you're influencing them, whether it's good or bad. The second guy there, Kevin Cruz, yeah, leadership is a process of social influence. He just took John Maxwell's words and expanded them a little bit. And that's what I want us to take a look at this morning. This passage related to eldership from 1 Peter chapter 5 gives us Peter's perspective on leadership and how it's supposed to function. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. There it is. If you don't have it, it's up on the screen. There's a couple of things I want you to pay attention to. One is, what, are the, what is the role of a leader or an elder? And then the second thing is, how does he do it? How is he supposed to perform that role? And now a word to you who are elders in a church. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. Peter really starts off by making it clear, I'm an elder, and I have suffered. 
If you went back into chapter 4, you would see that there Peter talks about the fact that when you suffer, you enter into the glory of Christ. Paul said it in Philippians chapter 3. He talks about the fact that he wanted to participate in the ministry of Jesus, including his suffering, so that he would experience the resurrection or glory. And so Peter was saying very clearly to these elders that he was talking to, these leaders of the church in Asia Minor, he was saying, this is who I am. And I want to speak to you out of my experience. It wasn't just speaking to them out of theory. He was speaking to them out of his experience. So as a fellow elder, I appeal to you. And here comes the description. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. So let's go back and take a look at some of this here. I'm getting a bit of a ringing in my ears here, so... I think some of you are also experiencing a little ringing in your ear. Starts off with elders, leaders saying, care for your flock. Any of us, when we are in leadership of any kind, we are called to care. That's what leadership's about. It doesn't matter if you're in a church or in business. If you're giving leadership, there's a component of caring. Brenda and I are in the midst of uh, looking at some of the works of a fellow named Patrick Gencioni. One of the books he's written is called The Advantage. It's about organizational health. And what does it talk about? It talks about the fact that as leaders, our first priority is to make sure that the leaders or the organization we lead is healthy, that they care for each other, that they're watching out for each other. This is just part of being a good leader how it functions in the family, right? The simplest organization we face is the relationship of a husband and wife and kids. And in that context, caring starts it all. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, a chapter about love, it talks about the fact that at the very center of all of our behavior is our willingness to love. So care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly. Watch over it. In other words, pay attention to it. Just not having nice feelings and caring about things, but it's actually being invested and paying attention to what's going on, what's happening. As I was uh, growing as a parent, as our kids grew up at the different stages, we were watching them. I just remember our youngest was three years old and he hadn't spoken yet. And we were concerned. And we paid attention. We took him to a specialist. The specialist goes, he's all right. He'll talk when he wants to talk. But it was watching over it, right? It was paying attention and engaging in it. And the same is true in the context of all of our relationships, our ministries. It's called paying attention. 
not just caring, but actively paying attention and doing it willingly. One of the things that for Brenda and I, as we've come to know you, is that we are starting to see, we're paying attention and we're starting to see the different aspects of Cross Point Church. And we're seeing a variety of different needs. And we're starting to think about how can we step into those things or how can we give leadership into those areas. We talk with the elders about those things. The elders pray about them and we start to work together to see God working amongst you. Not grudgingly, not, uh, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. I have to tell you that elders don't get paid, so they're not getting much out of this. But there is something about prestige. We can enter into these roles very simply, can't we? And we can maybe not be getting financial gain from it, but we might be getting prestige. We're going to talk a little bit about this down in verse 6 of this chapter. It talks about humbling ourselves before God. But there is this idea that we need to have our minds set in a right way. That ringing is still going on and getting stronger. They're going to take care of it? Okay. Ah, it's gone. Do I need to use the mic? Do I need to go over here? I'm back. I'll put it close by just in case. Oh. Okay, I'll just stand a little bit farther back here. Is that better? 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 Do you want to be up there? Testing? Good. Excuse me. My nervousness? No, it's not about nervousness. The motivation underlying leadership within the Christian context is an eagerness to serve God. It's really about wanting to connect with his people with the intention of discipling. And that's one of the key elements of the ministry of Crosspoint, right? What is our mission? To have people become fully devoted disciples of Christ. And it is that motivation that drive to see God fully developed in all of our lives that becomes sort of foundational to how we lead. It's what pushes us forward. This morning during prayer time, uh, the scripture was taken from Ephesians chapter 4 where it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And in that passage, it talks about the role of those gifts that Jesus gave to the church, that leadership that Jesus gives to the church, and it's all pointing towards maturity in Christ. It's all pointing towards people becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. 
So don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. It's a good example that is the foundation of leadership. And that's why John Maxwell could say influence, pure and simple, is leadership. It's how we live our lives, how we have our relationships, how we interact with each other that makes a difference. So the role is to care for the flock, watch over it, and lead by your good example. But how is it to be happening? Well, it's to happen. Can I have the next slide, please? How? Willingly and eager to serve. In other words, it's not about uh, duty, but desire. So when we talk about uh, eldership in 1 Timothy chapter 3, where there's a list of qualifications, it starts with this. If you desire to be an elder, you desire a good thing. It's about a willingness to engage and to be used by God in the service of other people. Next slide, please. So we get down to verse 6. This is the passage. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. It goes on to say a bit more than that, but I want to focus on this because you see humility is the foundation of good leadership. You need to understand that humility is where leadership really starts from. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. This is a passage where Paul talks about humility. doesn't say the word precisely, but it makes a comment. Starting at verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So what is this passage saying about humility? And how does that impact leadership? Well, it starts off with having a fair estimate of ourselves, right? Don't think of yourself better than, better than you really are. This is a clear understanding of who we are. You see, one of the foundations of, humili- or of leadership is humility, and humility is this clear understanding of who I am and who God has made me and what he has called me to do. And so first there is a fair understanding of who I am. I remember as an 18-year-old, when that event happened, it opened up the possibilities to me. It said, I can be a person of influence. But I also recognized that I had influence, both positive and negative. The mom approached me and said, you have influenced my son in a positive way. We all have the potential of influencing for good or evil. And God calls us to understand that and make a decision about that. How am I going to lead? What is my influence going to be? What direction is it going to point? But then I have to understand who I am. To understand where my influence is going to be the greatest, I have to understand who I am 
and how God has gifted me, how he has created me. And so in that regard, even by the time I was 18, I sort of had a sense of where I wanted to go career-wise. I thought I was going to be a teacher, classroom teacher. That lasted about two years until I realized I wasn't very good at being in the classroom. But the reality was the foundation was there as teaching. And then I had to pursue understanding what my role is or how I could fulfill that role as a, as a teacher. I ended up being a pastor. It was a bit of a process to get me to this place. But it was a process of God leading me to a fuller understanding of who I am and how I function. Not only that, but then I started to have to understand who I was and the way I made decisions and the way I interacted with the world around me. And I was thankful that there was people in my life who came along and started to point me in directions to understand certain aspects of my personality. And as all those things sort of came together, I started to get a fuller picture of how God wanted to work in and through me. But it goes beyond that then. Because it isn't just about who God has made me. It's also about the context that I'm in. And as you grow in these contexts, your leadership skills grow or change. And so I can remember being in Saskatoon. I was an associate pastor in Saskatoon. And during our six years there, I got to know quite a few people in the community around. And I was really excited about that because I was starting to have some impact in terms of being able to get things done in a larger community. And then our ministry ended there. And then that, later that year, I found myself in Fort McMurray as the lead pastor. And I can remember my biggest concern was, Lord, when I was in Saskatoon, I was starting to make connections in the community. I started to have the ability to move and influence and impact in a new way. And all that is gone. I have to start over here in, in Fort McMurray. And so I'm praying, and I'm just saying, Lord, I want to be used for you, yes, in this congregation, but I also see a need in the larger community. And I'd like to have that influence to touch that community. Three things happened in the first year we were in Fort McMurray that influenced or impacted my leadership there. <clears throat> the first thing was the mayor at the time was a Christian man, went to the Anglican Church. And as mayor, he had a wine and cheese party every November for all the stakeholders in the community. And so that meant the leadership of all the businesses, uh, organized, large organizations. But because of his faith background, he insisted that all the pastors be there. And so in that evening, or that afternoon and evening that I was able to go to this meeting, I started connecting with leadership across a really wide section of the city. And then the next year, in that first year, we had two deaths in the congregation. The one was one of the staff members. She passed away from pan pancreatic cancer. But her and her husband had been significant people in the educational system in the city. And because we were uh, giving leadership to the funerals, we connected a large, across a large spectrum of the community. And it was amazing to see how that opened up the doors to ministry in so many different ways. A couple months later, we had a businessman who had association with our church. And his role was to 
establish communications for all the businesses in the community. That was his company's business. And when all those people came together, all of a sudden, all these connections started to happen in the community. You don't know your context until you pay attention. You watch it. As much as this pastor is talking to leaders or elders about in the context of a community of faith, congregation, you're called to watch in your context, in your workplace, to understand what is happening, to care about the people around you. Because your influence is based upon your awareness in that context. You see, the leadership that God is calling us to, he's calling the elders to, to be examples. But what are they examples of? <clears throat> They're examples of how we are to engage with our world. The elders also give us an example of how we minister and care for people. When I was going through this process this last week, <clears throat> I was thinking about the fact that this passage is talking about Jesus as the great shepherd, elders as the under shepherds. And I was thinking about Jesus as an example of shepherding. And then I saw, thought of Psalm 23. You can go to it. It's a great psalm. We use it in all kinds of contexts in our lives. But have you thought of it as an, a, a job description of how you, as a Christian, shepherd the people around you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can go through it and you can see how Jesus leads us into healthy places, cares for us in difficult times, watches over us and guides us. And in the same way that he's done that for us, he calls us to do that in our context, where we work, where we live, where we play. You see, humility is understanding who you are and where you came from. You're from the hand of God. John Calvin, in his early works, Institutes, First Systematic Theology written, the opening paragraph of, the, that, uh, of his book was this. He said, if you want to know, or if you want to serve God, there's two things you need to understand. You need to know God, you need to know yourself. And the relationship between the two is this. In knowing God, you come to understand how far you have fallen short of who you're called to be. But in understanding how far you've fallen short is with God. Knowing yourself makes you more dependent on him and you desire to know more about him, to experience him. And getting to know more of him reveals more of who you should be. And that is a perpetual motion of growth that causes us to go up into the stratosphere. So knowing ourselves and knowing God. And then the third element that is here is that you need to understand that you belong to each other. We belong to each other. There is a context in which leadership needs to happen, and it is not a standalone individual context. It is rather the context of being a part of the community of faith, belonging to each other and investing our lives in each other. That's what it says here. Take a look at it again. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, those are his dependents. 
I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. So this is the foundation to humility. This is where humility rests in knowing ourselves, having a fair estimate, understanding we come from God and understand that we have a place, a belonging. And it is not just a place of belonging where we sit passively. You notice what it said there? It says, each part has a special function. Every one of us has a role to play in the community of faith. You all have been gifted in specific ways. Some of you are gifted in terms of the way God has made you and the image of Christ in you. That's one aspect of what God has given us. The second aspect of it is, is that by the Holy Spirit living in us, he empowers us. He gives us specific tools to engage in ministry, to care for others. And then finally, Jesus has given very specific gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You might think, oh, those are leadership gifts that are out there. But I want to tell you that you can sit down and you can take a look at who God has made you and how he has formed you. And you can take and you can start to see very specific ways in which you might fall into the, each one of those roles. Being an apostle, not in the context of a Peter or Paul kind of apostle, but an apostle who has a vision for ministry, who has a vision to push the purposes of God forward in the community that you live in. You see, church planters can be considered apostles. I have to tell you, we have some staff members here who have lots of ideas about how to serve their communities, and they could be viewed as apostles. Some are evangelists. You've got Ken here. Classic example of an evangelist, a heart so full of love that he just wants to connect with people. There's prophetic voices, people who in prayer and seeking God, come to understand that God has something specific to say in a specific context. There's pastors, people who care, care about your well-being, and they function amongst us as pastors. I think it's a mistake sometimes to call the lead of a church the lead pastor, because most lead pastors I know don't necessarily have the gift of pastoring. They have other gifts. I'll admit it. I'm not pastoral. I'm a teacher. My wife is pastoral. And every one of you have a particular gift, a way that God has made you and equipped you to serve. And that's why it's important that you get to know that, that you pursue understanding who you are, who God has made you. If you go a little farther into Romans chapter 12, it talks about there's six or seven gifts that are given by the Heavenly Father to every person in the world. They're listed here a little later in this chapter. 
these gifts have been given for us to function in a way that honors God. They're called motivational gifts. The gifts that we're talking about from Ephesians chapter 4, they're called the ministry gifts. They're the gifts that are given to minister to the body of Christ. There's gifts in Corinthians chapter 12. I call them the tools. Manifestation gifts. Just to keep the alliteration going, right? But they're tools that are given to every believer. They're available. As you're praying with people, as you're listening to their stories, those gifts in Corinthians are tools to be used to make them realize that God loves them and cares for them. And they're not just for use among Christians. They're used to be used in our relationships with all kinds of people. Because God equipped us. Augustine made a comment about humility. If we can have that up on the screen there, we'll be able to see it. Yeah, there it is. Humility is the foundation of all the other virtues. All the other virtues found in the soul. In which this virtue, and in the soul, in which this virtue does not exist, there cannot be any other virtue except mere abhorrence. What is this saying? It is saying that the virtues that we have, whether it be love, joy, compassion, if it does not have humility backstopping it, it is just a mere abhorrence of it. Do you see that? Do you understand that? This is what God is calling us to. This is what he calls us as leaders to. And so as elders, we are called to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? Because he's the one that leads. And in the context of the Christian Missionary Alliance, they're the ones that we as a congregation expect to lead. We expect them to be in front, in a sense. Caring for our souls. Watching over us. Making sure that we are serving the Lord. So I am poking at the elders a little bit this morning. But that is the calling. But that is the calling that every one of us is called to. We are all called to be people of influence. That's what the gospel is about. Gospel is about us taking the good news of Jesus Christ and carrying it to the ends of the world. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you have expectations for us. <clears throat> but these aren't expectations that we have to fulfill ourselves, but that you are at work in us to accomplish what you want to do. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is with us, that you reveal yourself to us and you lead us into all truth. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that you would, by your Spirit, come and minister. Come and speak to us about what you are calling us to. What kind of leadership are you expecting of us? And I pray, Lord, that as we uh, come to understand that, we, that we would allow you then to guide us into the fulfillment of that so that we are serving you in a way that honors you and that results, Lord, in you being pleased. In Jesus' name.
when you uh, take a look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4 is the outcome of what we're talking about. It talks about when the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, comes. There will be great glory. There will be a reward. What is it? It's for fishing. It's for that sense of, of having done what he expects us to do. So as you go this morning, I want you to be reflecting on what is it in your life that you need to step into to embrace the fullness of what God is calling you to as a leader in your context. Leadership can be in your home. Teenagers, it can be as you are the oldest in your family, you are given an example to your siblings. I wasn't a very good example to my siblings growing up. But I can see that that could be a significant thing. It can be in our workplace. It doesn't matter what role you have in your workplace, you can influence the people around you. And you can show them the love of Christ. It can be in the context of the church and ministry, whether it be serving with children or serving in greeting and welcoming people or serving in a pastoral role. All of these places are places of influence. It can be as simple as you listening to each other in the foyer after the service. And when you hear something, to be willing to say, can I pray with you? Or to share something out of your own life. God calls us to influence those around us. Another word is, you are ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors reveal the truth about the kingdom of God. And so I encourage you to go and do that. So please stand. I'd like to remind you of who you are. Well, maybe let's do it a little differently this morning. I'll ask a question, you answer. Who are you? Who called you? Yeah, called by God. What? Why did he call you? Into his redemptive mission in the world. So what are you going to do? Go and be who you are. Amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.